In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's the biggest game, I'm going to say, in 15 years. I'm here with Ian Wright and Jack Duffin. Ian, we talked about the the pre-show game last time, but how big is this game um, for you as a hardcore season Browns fan? It's, it's, I mean, it's the biggest game we've had in recent memory. And the fact that the Steelers lost last night, it opened the door. We talked about it. The division isn't as crazy to win as it was two weeks ago. And the Steelers have to run off 11 in a row, lose the last two. Hey, it, the door's open. You got to win the games. So the Browns have the Ravens tonight. Then they come back on, oh, I should say on Monday night football. Then you come back and you have a Sunday night football against the Giants. So America wants to see the world's team. So the Browns have to go out and ultimately play their best football. And I, I have the utmost faith in Mr. Stefanski, Mr. Barry, Mr. Callahan specifically to get the job done. So to answer your question, probably the biggest game since that 2007 season. Jack, I've got a quick question for you, mate. I know you're a gambling man. Have you looked at the odds of the Browns to finish top of the division? If so, what are the odds? I haven't. I can pull them up. I, I, I'm a gambling man, but I would never touch anything like that because it's the the odds I'm chasing are like the uh, just around evens. I'd rather bet high volume and uh, l- lower odds. But uh, yeah, let's look at it. To win the division, we're eight to one. Eight to one. Okay, it's actually not bad value considering you have the Jets and the Giants. If you win tonight, you're looking at minimum twelve and four. The reason I asked the question now was because I'm keen to know before and afterwards. So uh, yeah, obviously if we lose. I'm sure it's void, but um, there is some chance and hope. And Jack, what are you most excited about tonight? I'm good. I'm pumped. Uh, I had an Amazon delivery this morning. It's, it's a guy from Ohio who's been a Browns fan all his life. Don't know what he's doing in the UK, but he was like, where did he get that top from? I'm like, a Browns fan delivering me on game day? It's, it's a sign. It's going to be a win today. Um, it's going to be hard for. Um, I've bet the under. Um yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. There's going to be a lot of wind, so uh, bet the under. But did double it. There's a, 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 a Browns plus three in there as well because uh, I may as well have the spread on as well. So uh, I'm feeling good. Um, I'll bet a lot more on next week's game, though, um, and also on a Nick Chubb over. So Nick Chubb over six and a half receiving yards. I've been throwing in some screens the last couple of weeks. That's a line I really, really like. Well, Jack, let's get a picture. Let's see this T-shirt and you can, I'll send it to you. There we go. I got some breaking news for the podcast. I am on Sky Sports. The exclusive is on the Paul Brown podcast. So uh, I'm going to be on multiple times during the night for a, a Browns fan's view. So, Ian, I want you to give me some test questions and I'll give you my views on uh, anything that I need to know about the game tonight because I've been doing my research. I feel one of the questions they're going to say is, Paul, what made a handsome man like you from the United Kingdom a fan of the Cleveland Browns? 
Well, it's a very simple answer. The name's Paul Brown. It's either a Browns or a Bengals, and I went with the Browns. So, uh, yeah, that's an easy answer. But just in case we get technical tonight, I feel the biggest point that to be made tonight is if the Ravens put pressure on Baker Mayfield, they could win the game. There, there is truth to point. It, well, here's, here's the validity of that. So Baker Mayfield, when has a clean pocket, which the Browns offensive line gives him often, has a passer rating of 115.9. However, when he's under pressure, it drops to 32. So that is a very good, astute point by you, Mr. Paul Brown. And anything else I should be, if, if that comes up, anything else I should be saying? Mention the wind. Mention the wind. It's, it, it could be quite run heavy. Uh, you can mention that Lamar Jackson has been awful at throwing the ball this year. Um, was much better last year. Um, regressed nearer to his mean. So um, it's one that if he can't start throwing the ball, especially with the wind, and they get behind, could be a bit like last week. Game over nice and early. Put our feet up and uh, have, a, have, a, have a beverage. Realistically, Paul, this game's going to come down to one thing. Whose defense stops the other's offense? If the Ravens' defense can stop the Browns' offense, the Ravens will win. If the Ra- Browns' defense can stop the Ravens' offense, the Browns win. That's, it comes down to both teams are pretty solid on offense. They kind of have similar styles. Lamar Jackson's a little bit more limited as a passer, but obviously has more potential as a runner. And with the Browns having some key injuries, you know, like Denzel Ward and uh, Ronnie Harrison, they're going to be susceptible – to on the defensive side of the ball. So we got to hope Miles Garrett, the boys up front, get some pressure. I will say, if you remember right, Jack, I remember we talked about this last year, the game the Browns won in Baltimore, Olivier Vernon absolutely had one, I think one of his best games of the season. So Olivier Vernon really knows how to play the Ravens, staying home on the backside, making sure that Lamar Jackson can't leak out the back end. So I really would like to see our ends and Miles Garrett and OV set the edge, keep them up the middle. And I think that the, on the flip side, I want to see the Browns be able to get the ball to the outside using their wide zone scheme with Conklin and Wills and Teller and Betonio. I mean, these guys are all at the top of their you know, position group. So I think the Browns need to lean on their strength. The Ravens are going to try to lean on theirs, and it's going to be whose defense can step up and make a play. How good is the Ravens? How good is the Ravens O-line, by the way, guys? It's shaky. It's not what it was. When you had Marshall Yonder there, it was uh, a lot better since they've lost him. It's it's incredible how almost it off, shaky yeah. it's got. It's, well, the know. other thing, they lost Ronnie Staley. Yeah. So once they lost Ronnie Staley as well, they lost Yonda, who was an all-pro, and Stanley, who was an all-pro. So at that point there, it became two large all-pros off the one side of the line. And the guys that they have filling him for him are bums. Um, Ian, whose defense do you see winning the game? The Browns have the best defensive player, Miles Garrett. Who would you say Calais Campbell's the next best defensive player on the field? Marlon Humphrey, maybe. I mean, Derek Wolf's had a pretty nice year for them. I mean, I think they have bigger names. I, I, I don't think it's as much which defense wins the game is which offense stutters the most. Um, and I don't know if that's going to be more on the defense or more on the elements uh, because neither offense is that keen to air it out and rack up points. It's quite slow. It's very run focused. Um, 
so the minute one team gets ahead, the other one's going to be forced to do something they don't want to do. Um, and it'll be interesting if we if we come out and want to try gun it and run it down their throat, um, run the score down their throat rather than run the ball down their throat, then uh, it could get nasty um, and we could get ahead. And in the same way, if, if they do that to us, then we're going to be we could potentially struggle because we don't want to be forced into passing all the time. Because even when we got ahead against the Titans, we, we still had the full playbook available to us. And we saw what happened to the Titans. We've seen it to the Browns in the past earlier in this season. When the playbook's taken away and you know it's going to be a pass play, suddenly all that creativity Stefanski can do isn't there anymore. Being able to do play action doesn't really matter. If you're down two scores, you're probably passing the ball anyway. So it's making sure we stay uh, within it. But if we can push ahead from them, then suddenly they're in a really, really tough spot. I think a big loss today is going to be Hooper with that neck injury. So the Baltimore linebackers are weak. You have CJ Borden, you have Patrick Queen. Neither of them can stop anybody in the run game. Queen is a fast guy who can't tackle, who can't stop anyone in the run. So if the Browns O-line can really lean on their D-line, which is their strength, they have Yannick Ngakwe, they've got Derek Wolf, Matt, um, Clayus Campbell, Campbell, and uh, Matthew Judon. So those four guys there can, can change a game, can set a tone. So if you can neutralize them and get to that second level and, you know, make guys like Chuck Clark and uh, Deshaun Elliott tackle, I think you have a good chance. But ultimately, I think you have a pretty good matchup of two teams. I mean, you, you know, the, the, the balance is pretty evenly distributed. So that's what I'll be most curious to see is just kind of how, the coaching, I think coaching is really going to matter tonight. I mean, you have John Harbaugh, you have Kevin Stavansky, you've got two guys. Um, Harbaugh is obviously a lot more proven, but it'll be curious to see what Martindale does. He's done a pretty good job over the years, confusing Baker. So a lot of times, if you think about it over the last two seasons, when the Browns have won, they've really done it at the legs of their running backs. Um, it's you know been years since we kind of shredded them through the air. So it, this is going to be a good one. And that's why Baltimore's favored. Is, I think it's a surprise as well that it's plus three. I'd have this much closer to a pick'em. Um, I, I feel it's one that could go either way. Um, they're not the team they were last year. Um, we aren't, <laughs> thankfully, aren't the team we were last year um, either. So it's one that it, it's going to be a really intriguing game. You got to remember um, though, Vegas isn't trying to actually. Ironically enough, most people don't know this. The point of Vegas spreads aren't to tell you what the difference in the score is going to be. It's so you bet each way. And I think historically people in Vegas look Ravens Browns and they think three points. I think historically, and I don't know where the public money is on this, but I think the, just that old adage of the big, the big brother versus the little brother has more to do because I think you're right. This is more like a one, one and a half type of spread. I think it it has, yeah, and yeah, I think it has more to do one. with people just going, the Ravens are the big brother, the Browns are frauds. I mean, you turned on ESPN or any of these big things two weeks ago before Tennessee, and we were frauds, we were this, we were that, we weren't nothing, we haven't beat anybody. So I don't think outside of Cleveland, the Browns have a huge fan club. I think we're coming around. I think if you win tonight on national TV, I think you'll be the prohibitive favorites. I think that four and a half line is going to go up to six, six and a half for the Giants. So I think right now that's kind of the uh, the monkey on the back that the Browns are facing. But Paul, Paul, I believe on Sky Sports, you're are you on with uh, somebody that's pretty well known, right? Yeah, Jack Duffin's coming on with me. 
No. I don't know if I, I don't know if I can tell anyone who it is, but. Well, do you want to just drop a couple hints and then people? No, I'll free? tell you all because you're all great listeners to the Paul Brown podcast. So we give you all the exclusives and we always want to say thank you very much for all the feedback you give back to us and you send Jack t-shirts. He loves that. It is. No, no, they, no one sent me a t-shirt. It's my t-shirt. Oh. It was a Browns fan that was just there and saw my t-shirt. Oh. Oh, that changed everything. I thought it was one of our listeners sent you a T-shirt. No, um, no, no. no. Only, it, it Paul, Browns only Paul's post gets that. From Ohio that um, had popped up to deliver my Amazon order. Oh, okay. How random that someone from Ohio who's a, brown, a lifelong struggling Browns fan and um, follows all the Cleveland sports just happens to be delivering my uh, Amazon delivery. In so basically, Mike's now got a job for Amazon. No, it's Chris Rose. Yeah, Cleveland sports legend Chris Rose. So I actually I met Chris Rose one time on a plane from an Ohio State football game. He's extremely nice. uh, NFL Network, MLB Network, uh, diehard Cleveland fan. So you'll you'll really enjoy Chris. He was on a, a show a number of years ago here that was very popular called the Best Damn Sports Show. So yeah, he's a he's a pretty well known guy. Very well known across the Cleveland circles. All right, I'm going to shoot off. But before I go, Ian, what score prediction are you going with? Ooh, you know, I, I, I was going back and forth on this. Right now, the over-under line's at 46, and Baltimore is sitting as pretty much a 58% win probability. However, they haven't seen the legs of Nick Chubb, the arm of Baker Mayfield, and the hands. <laughs> Okay, guys, if Ian doesn't edit this bit here, now, I will edit this out as Amazon's Alexa. Alexa, shut up! <laughs> he is currently swearing Alexa, at what his is, wife. What's the prediction? Uh, he is swearing at his wife. Wow. And I was going to say the mighty hands of Richard Higgins. Browns, 28. Ravens, 26. Jack Duffin. Just in the time, I bet this about an hour ago, we've seen the Lions still moving slightly towards the Ravens. We actually had a, li- a little bit of bounce on the um, the over. We've gone from 45 and a half up to 46, even though the weather's there. So that's why I was betting the under. So um, I'm going to go 17-23. Browns, baby. I, I, I think it's a six-point win. I think we're talking about, at the end of this game, does Lamar Jackson even deserve a second contract? Oh, Ian, I've, I've I've been solid on this point. I've been solid on this point. You don't pay running backs. Oh man, if this if this hits the Ravens circle, your follower account will go up and your death threats will go up rapidly. You can't say that, Jack. You can't say. By the way, this may this may be very controversial. Who's better, Taysom Hill or Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson. In what sense? Who's got a better arm? Lamar Jackson. You sure about that? Yep. I've seen Lamar Jackson dip an elbow and throw balls eight feet over six foot six receiver's head. Yeah, but he's Lamar, a better athlete. Uh, Taysom Hill just puts them. They're both tight ends. They're both running backs. Uh, Jack, here's a question for you: Pollard or Lamar? Who are you going to go with? <laughs> Mr. Mr. I'm not asking him to return uh, <laughs> kickoffs. Then I'm going. I'm going with my boy Tony Pollard. 
Yeah. Yeah, the good. All right, guys, I need to shoot off, do some work. I just want to phone up and saying, go Browns. Make sure you're watching the Sky Sports later on. I'm going to have a nap. Let's do this. Thanks a lot for everyone for listening. We love your input support. And I will let you two carry on talking about Higgins' contract. Ooh. Ooh. Inside could, information could it is done. It's done. It's done. You heard it here first. Higgins is my mate. Don't forget. All right. Cheers. <laughs> Paul's off to cover the tier three lockdowns in London. I'm off to find some girls. Cheers. <laughs> that was a very good mic drop. But no, specifically, I mean, we, we did bring it up, and obviously it's been something that's talked about. The wide receiver free agent market's going to be very nice this year. I'm just going to say there is a lot of As long as they don't get re-signed. There's that? been many a time where a free agency cast looked awesome. They all got re-signed, and you left there. Um, nothing but your dick in your hand. Yeah, but we've seen this year, for example, these guys coming in as rookies. For example, the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, they got rid of Stephon Diggs. They got Justin Jefferson. They got a guy on a rookie deal who, I mean, fantastic deal. So a lot of people out there saw Stephon Diggs last night, you know, taking the Steelers to the, you know, to the outhouse. But at the end of the day, they got a rookie contract on a wide receiver. And I think you're going to see these wide receivers from college are coming up and they're starting to contribute a lot earlier. So I think that actually hurts the value of kind of that mid-tier of wide receivers. So if the Browns can get Higgins locked up for a decent number, what's the number look like? So um, for me, Jefferson, if he doesn't win offensive rookie of the year, it's an absolute farce. He should walk that. Um, what does the numbers look for Higgins? So it's tough to know what what he's looking for. Is he going, hey, let's give me another one-year deal. You're, you're going to feature me again coming next year, and then I'm going to go get big, big money. Or does he want a shorter deal? So it's tough to know in that. So I'm working on the basis of three years. I've said 12 million. So 3 million a year um, with the option of, did I say 12? Yeah, I think I said 12. Yeah, 12. So 4 million a year. Um, and then potentially some incentives in there to take it to um, an extra one, two million a year. Um, but there'll be unlikely ones to be earned. So it'll be numbers based on him being a one or two wide receiver, which obviously hasn't been across the entire year. Um, and how sort of incentives work um, in the NFL. You've got two different types. You've got um, likely to be earned incentives and not likely to be earned incentives. And how that works is basically, if you achieved the numbers last year, so say you got 99 catches last year, if you had an incentive that said, pay him an extra million if he gets 100 catches, it's unlikely to be earned. Even though it's 99 and it's 100, it's all based on did it earn or not. And then for the salary cap purposes, you don't count it if it's an unlikely to be earned. Obviously, at the end of the season, if they do hit it, you do pay it. But, um, and then it, you account for it then, but you don't have to account for it until the end of the year um, if it does hit. So uh, it's one where I think they will might throw in some incentives, but I, I think three years, four million a year is roughly about right for him so uh we'll see uh, and i think he could earn more so it wouldn't surprise me if he goes no nah, i'm only signing the two-year deal get back on the market as quick as possible yeah i think that's probably likely that they do a two-year maybe three um i think sometimes we overvalue i mean at the end of the day i mean higgins has 25 catches for 400 yards and three touchdowns this year so he's not you know, a hundred catches, a thousand yards at this point. Uh, the thing I think most fans like about him is I think he has zero drops. And so he's, when he's called upon, 
he delivers. I mean, 33 targets, 25 receptions. I mean, this is a guy that just has good hands and has a knack for getting open. Yes, I know we had that little run in there with the uh, the Raiders, the Texans, and the Eagles, um, where he still came out with seven catches for you know just over 100 and so yards. I think he's the type of guy you want to get out, you know, get in the system. I think the rapport, obviously, with Baker, it's it's the flip side of the Landry deal where you're paying top of the market for a guy who's has a relative production to that what Higgins does. So I think that would speak volumes. You know, he's obviously well-liked. I mean, clearly Baker, Baker Mayfield risked a second contract coming in with his beautiful baseball slide reverse pivot camera pose. I mean, for a quarterback to put that much risk into your touchdown dance, I mean, that just shows you how well he liked he is in the locker room, right? Yeah, no, he's really well liked. And he's never going to be a one, number one wide receiver. And that's perfectly fine. Um, don't try and overplay it. You don't need him to do that. Um, he, if you sign him up for three years and he comes in and be, is your wide receiver three, sorry, wide receiver two for them three years, uh, even if it is four with incentives to take it up to six, that puts you in a really good position because it gives you options. What I would love to do, hey, I'm, I'm in that boat. I've, I've gone bold in it. I, w- I wouldn't mind flipping OBJ just because it could work, but we've seen it not work. So if you can get me, say, an Alan Robinson, sign him up, three, four-year deal, four-year deal, let's say, keep Landry for one more year, trade OBJ this year, um, and then either trade or cut Landry next year, draft someone, and then you've got a really, really tasty room. Alan Robinson, Rashad Higgins, somebody else in there. And not only have you got cheaper as a room, I think you've got better. I will tell you that Alan Robinson and the Bears are having discussions um, because obviously he's a free agent. So his initial to them uh, is starting in the five-year, seventy-five million range. Just so you know, that's about what he's asking—fifteen year, fifteen million a year for five years, um, guaranteed money in the high forties. So, which is basically what we're paying Jarvis and OBJ. So, tell them fifteen a year. So, fifteen a year. So, chances are he'll be leaving Chicago. Um, I don't think he gets that kind of money elsewhere. Um, you know, he obviously has been frustrated. I look at the, that mid-tier guys, you know, guy coming out of Ohio State like it's no Brown, um, Josh Reynolds, Keelan Cole. So if the Browns do need to go out into the market, and we won't belabor this too much, is because obviously we have plenty of off-season shows to do it. Um, there are a nice three, you know, wide receiver three, wide receiver four guys out there. You know, I do think they bring back Kadero Hodge as well. But realistically, I mean, tonight, this is a game where if you're Hollywood Higgins and you want to sign that contract, okay, you're going up. Chances are they're probably going to put Marlon Humphrey on Jarvis just from a grabbing standpoint, um, which means that they're going to put over Higgins. They're either going to put a Marcus Peters or Devontae Harris. And both of those guys, listen, I know Marcus Peters loves to run his mouth and I know that everybody loves it when he gets run over, but get open Put some stats up tonight. I want to see it. These are the games, Monday night football, Sunday night football, Hollywood, baby. If you want to do it, you want to walk that carpet like you do, get out there and ball out tonight. You know, you don't have Austin Hooper, so you're probably going to see a couple targets to the tight ends go to a guy like Higgins. So take advantage of him. You know, if you can leave, if you can do something to like just embarrass Marcus Peters and leave him in the dust and get yourself a touchdown, you could moonwalk down that red carpet. Um, Don't rule out. Uh, great points there, but just to jump back onto free agents, Kenny Golladay. 
If I can't get Alan Robinson, Kenny Galladay, they're the two. The if, Galladay if, holiday. If neither of those two are available, it's a different plan for what you do in the off season. For me, if you're going to sort of move on from OBJ this year, move on from Landry next year, you're bringing in a wide receiver one this year from free agency. And those are the two guys that I would love. Um, there might be obviously someone else in the trade market. Um, obviously, I wouldn't give up the amount that went for digs, but if you can get a deal done, um, if the salary cap's lower, there might be someone looking to move someone because they just can't keep it together. Um, so there's always players popping up. And what we've seen from Andrew Berry, and um, do go and listen to the... I've retweeted it, so find it on my Twitter, but Huddle and Flow, I think, is the um, podcast. But hour-long discussion with Andrew Berry, really, really interesting. He's an incredibly smart dude. Somewhere Tony Grossi is mad that he didn't get first access to him. Yeah. Um, but go and check that out because they're going to invest in the pass game. They're going to keep it focused on the pass game. Um, and I, I just think there's some great options on the table. Andrew Berry has got his fingers over every deal. Every move happened this offseason. Andrew Berry's name was mentioned. Why? Not because the Browns were desperate to sign everyone. They were smart and going, look, Cam Newton's on the market. Let's phone up Cam Newton and find out what the price is because we can make our moves. Would, could they have brought him in? If he said, hey, oh, I'm, I'm willing to come one year, five million, uh, I'd, I'd have done it. It's like, that's going to be the best backup quarterback you're going to see. Um, if you wanted to do some crazy-ass stuff, you could probably ask him to do it and do it as well. So um, it's one that there's options out there. They are going to be across every single move. Um, and if if it was this offseason, not last offseason, they, they would have happily bid more for Hopkins and he would be a Brown. Oh, for sure. And I think that if you really want to win my, my heart, uh, Mr. Barry, just let's go ahead and renegotiate that Landry deal. Let's spread that money out over a couple more years. So we're not taking such a hit. Let's get that Sheldon Richardson extension done. Um, but Jack, did you see the quotes speaking of kind of former no, Brown, Sheldon Richardson hasn't been good Bye, mate. You're off. Yeah. Except he's the second best defensive player in our team, but beside the point. No, Denzel Ward. Denzel, but Denzel, I like Denzel, but he's never available. He's never available. So no, but Sheldon, I think is just you know he's in there. I just I I like the I like he what uh, I like what he does. But did you see the quotes coming out of Oakland today regarding the firing of their defensive coordinator? No. So Rappaport came out. I think it was on Good Morning Football that said you know the Ra the Raiders had fired Paul Gunther, who used to be the defensive coordinator in Cincinnati. Gruden brought him in. So he said frustration in the building that Las Vegas spent $52 million more on the offense than the defense, including more at a backup quarterback than the entire cornerback position. Defenses coaches wanted more. I can't blame him. <laughs> I mean, yes. And don't get me wrong. I like David Ornette, but you took him top 20. I think he was a second round pick at best. And it's one you need to put a lot of resources in because we've seen two positions that have a lot of undrafted free agents. If we, if we look at what position you're most likely to be a top 25 player in the NFL, um, a top 25% in your position group of all the starters, if you're a UDFA, it's running backs and it's cornerbacks because teams just aren't good at evaluating them. Obviously, there's lots of cornerbacks as well, which um, helps having that wider group to get into that top 25%. But uh, teams aren't good at evaluating. So there's lots of opportunities um, to get in there later picks. Um, it's why I'm, I'm always up for just adding more DBs because if you've got six spots, it's easy to sneak in there. If you're using a late pick, sort of 
fifth, sixth, seventh UDFA on a quarterback on some of these other spots, you're probably not carrying that guy because you've got to be, if you're only carrying two or three in a position room, trying to get a UDFA in there is a challenge. Whereas if you're a cornerback room and you've got six, seven, um, it's easy to sneak one in there on the back end. I also, I mean, look at the Browns and Ronnie Harrison. I mean, I think he's going to be a sa- one of their starting safeties probably in years to come. And you gave up a fifth round pick for him. And it's like, if you hold on to those, you know, day three assets and you're able to flip them into guys that can come in and be key contributors. I mean, that's much more Clayus valuable Campbell. than, you know, some sort of a, I mean, what did the Ravens give up for Clayus Campbell? They virtually nothing. And, you know, Clayus Campbell's one of their better defensive players when he's healthy. So, you know, that's why the, the, the symbiotic nature between the Browns and the Ravens is actually very similar. You have good GMs who've made decisions over the past year that have brought in, you know, LJ Ford. They've brought in Calais Campbell. You know, they've brought in, um, oh, who's the, uh, Derek Wolf, the defensive tackle from Denver that they're talking about extending. So you go out and get these guys that can contribute. Um, you know, they drafted Patrick Queen, which I didn't really understand. And I'm telling you tonight, I really just want to see, because he runs a lot of yap, yap, yap. And remember, the Browns took the better linebacker, Jacob Phillips. No knock there. That's my running back joke of the day. Uh, in the same draft. So you know with all those LSU guys, there's going to be some chirping. So listen, tonight, big game. We'll have a whole offseason talk about all this stuff. But it, the, the point is, is you finally have a team that's not the laughing stock in the NFL. You finally have a team that's being built the right way. You finally are seeing it all start to come together. Like we're not sitting there going, crap, our offense is built around an entire passing game. And here we have 20 mile an hour wind coming in tonight. I, I, I feel better about having Baker with that win than Lamar Jackson, who's wildly inaccurate. So, you know, and that's, and that's kind of my Taysom Hill thing is, is obviously Lamar Jackson's a, frequently better athlete than Taysom Hill is. But in terms of contribution to the team, if they can't run the ball, they're both below average quarterbacks. And people have said that, and I know Lamar won the MVP last year, but realistically it wasn't completely based on what he did with his arm because teams were terrified to let him run. They stacked the box and he completed passes to, you know, to open receivers. So now that teams have figured that out, I mean, what was he, he was saying to the, Media a couple weeks ago, oh, the defenses know what plays we're running. Well, that's because you only run like six plays. It's, it's not hard. It's one interesting thing to note, and they were discussing it on um, the PFF forecast this morning, um, just how little is between the team they had top in the AFC um, North, the Ravens, team they had second, the Browns, and the team they had third, the Steelers. There is so little between them. It's almost crazy. Um, you You've not, I don't think, got another division in the NFL where you can argue three different teams are top six in the entire conference. Um, you mean the NFC East isn't in that discussion? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, the Redskins, that win's looking mighty good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a really... Um, it's a good one to see that we're there and it's not going to take much to push the Browns over the top and then suddenly... We're here to stay. The Steelers, they're not in a good position long-term. The Ravens, they might be able to work it out with Lamar, but potentially that could be an absolute diamond for the Browns. And in two years' time, they're in the same position that the Eagles are with Carson Wentz, where they've got a quarterback they're paid and it's just not working. Um, So we could be in a really nice spot. Um, Obviously, Tom, they're two fantastic coaches, don't get me wrong. Um, Really, really massive respect for each of what them to achieve. 
but uh yeah that we're in a really interesting spot and it's about who knows what happens this year it's going to be a funny one um but we're heading in the right direction and that well, is the most exciting thing well and i think the one thing we haven't talked about and i think it's going to be a huge factor in tonight's game is the special teams uh baltimore is historically dominant on special teams and they have arguably one of the best kickers in NFL history and Justin Tucker and arguably one of the better punters in Sam cook. So this is a game where the Browns cannot lose the game on specials. This isn't one where you want to give up a blocked punt, you know, blocked field goal. We all remember years ago, Browns line up for a game winning field goal gets blocked by the Ravens. They house it for the win. So we need to at least be net neutral in the specials tonight. You know, I need the hammer to pin them inside the 20 because they're going to do it to us. So special teams is going to be a big factor in today's game, uh, tonight's game. And, you know, I want to see smart returns out of your, your guy, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I want to see Dearness playing it smart. You give up a turnover on a kickoff and you fumble the ball, it, you get down 10 nothing, 14 nothing. it blouses. This one's over. So you cannot give the game away on specials. And I think Prefer has struggled this year with guys going in and out of the special teams units. Um you know, it's ironic we have good players on offensive and defensive side of the ball now, and our specials have gone down when in the years past we had bad players and our specials was good. So that's one thing I think we really need to focus on tonight is making sure that we don't do anything to lose the game on specials. And by God, if we can make a play on specials. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs split that game quickly on a putt return. Bang. You, you, if either team gets 10 points ahead and then gets the ball back, it's probably light. Um tonight um and so that's something we just need to keep an eye on but i, I wouldn't surprise me if the browns move into the offseason actually make some real investment into their specials um not so much into the three the three are fine the actual specialists but in terms of the other players obviously yeah pay my boy thomas but also just i i could see them bringing in a couple of guys and it's something that it was negligent to do before because we weren't interested in perfecting the special teams because if you haven't got like 18 of the 22 starters locked down. Don't, don't have starters. Specials aren't worried. But uh, just a little bit of money there can make a difference. Because if, if you're just talking a, let's go 10, 15 yards further up the pitch each game, that uh, it's soon adds up. Well, I think tonight's going to be a great one. Um, you know, the Ravens are a team that run the ball 48% of the time, pass the ball 20 or 52% of the time. The Browns are 49 run 51 pass. So you're talking about two teams that look eerily similar, what they do. The difference being the Browns have two running backs. The Ravens have a running back and a running quarterback. So it's, it's just similar. And I think it's really going to come down to me on the defenses. I think that that's going to be the determining factor um, of the game. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. You know, we've got about eight hours to kick off at this point. So a lot of anticipation, you know, I, I would love to be there. I'd love to see what the fans, I'd, I would tell you, I'd feel a lot better if we had an entire stadium full first energy stadium was rocking. Um, you know, I know that you're, you guys aren't huge MLS fans, but the Haslam's are high on life after the 2020 MLS champions, the Columbus crew, um, you know, for the overseas people, just a quick thing on that. The guy who owned the crew before, a guy by the name of Anthony Predouche, I mean Precor, he attempted to move the team to Austin. The fans basically stood up and said, nope, not happening. They started the Save the Crew campaign. The Haslam's came in and said, we'll buy an MLS team. 
That's why you see a lot of co-branding between the, uh, the crew and the Browns. And in their first year, I believe the Haslam's bought them last year. So I think this is their first full year as owners. They defeated the Seattle Sounders three to nothing. And for those that don't know the MLS, the Northwest teams, kind of the Portland Timbers, the Seattle Sounders, um, those Pacific Northwest teams generally are in the cup often. There's a huge following up there. So for the crew to take out a perennial powerhouse like the, uh, the Seattle Sounders is a big deal. So congrats to the 2020 MLS Cup champions, the Columbus crew owned by the Haslam's. Bring that energy into First Energy Stadium tonight because if the Browns can get the W tonight, I think, do they clinch the playoffs minimum? I believe I saw like 96% after the Steelers lost. So, yeah, I, I think it wouldn't be mathematically done, but I believe it'd be basically mathematically done. done. All right, well, let's go get that win. You're saying low scoring. I'm saying we actually hit the over tonight. I think it's one of those games where there's going to be a lot of yards in the game just because I think everybody knows what they do. So I'm seeing 28-26 Browns. You said? 17-23. I don't think Paul actually gave a score. Uh, I think 20-21. Oh, he's going low. But he's too busy going to be prepping to hang out with Chris Rose. So it'll be a big one. I look forward to the postgame. I'm guessing you're going to be staying up to watch it. I'll be staying up to watch it. I ain't staying up to post game. Yes, uh, 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 uh. Go take a nap now and we'll see you for the post game, right? Um, I'm going to have a nap before the game as well. <laughs> All right. Most importantly, go Browns. Go Browns. Mayfield underneath center on first down, takes the ball, gives the ball a cut back by Chubb. He's to the 10. He's still running to the five. He dips outside left. He's going in. Touchdown. What a run. Nick Chubb. Well, the play was designed to go to the right. They got a good push over there. All of a sudden, he saw the cutback, and he took it in. 14-yard run. There were four missed tackles by the Ravens on Nick Chubb as he takes it in. Mayfield gets motion from one of the tight ends, takes the snap, gives. Chubb runs to the left, bangs it to the outside. He dives for the goal line. Touchdown, Nick Chubb, his second of the day. He dipped like he was going to go off uh, left guard. He bounced it to the outside and got the touchdown. Beckham goes wide left. Ratley to the right. Now it's first and 15, and they're back at their 12. Mayfield with Chubb behind him. Mayfield under center on first down. Toss sweep near side. Here comes Chubb with a cutback. He's out to the 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. Here he goes to the 50. Here goes Chubb. He's going to go. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nick Chubb. He's got a hat trick. <laughs> what was the problem with the penalty? Wow, 88 yards by Chubb. That gives him 162 on the afternoon. 9.35 left to go. Nick Chubb and takes this, the air out of this oh, stadium. It was noisy. And this booth. 